RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they've partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your park and get there with family and friends. With more than 400 national park sites in the U.S., there are beautiful surprises to be found in every corner of the country. There's probably one closer than you think. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. This week, RV rallies. What are they and why should you go? We talked to two dads in the full-time families organization about the benefits of rallies and finding community on the road. We all know that manufacturing quality is a hot button issue. We tried to find out who's more at fault, RV manufacturers or their suppliers. A major step towards electric RVs has been announced and big changes continue to rock the most popular unlimited cell data providers. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 135 of RV Miles. I'm Jason, and along with my partner, Abby, we're two full-time travelers who travel the country with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, across North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. Abby is not here with me this week. Abby is a little bit under the weather today. We've had a long and wild week. We are here at the Tucson Lazy Days KOA Park. We have just finished the Full-Time Families Southwest Family Reunion Rally. And it has been our first rally. Uh, it has been our first experience with Full-Time Families at a rally, even though we've been members of Full-Time Families for quite a while. And we've just had a fantastic week. They've had all sorts of activities for the kids they had a, a potluck where the kids make the food and they made all sorts of stuff like chicken nuggets with mac and cheese on top and ketchup over it. They had a marketplace that the kids uh, put together. They had all sorts of classes and activities and seminars for adults. It's been just a wonderful week and we're just sort of decompressing from it. But uh, there's been a little bit of illness coursing through us and Abby just doesn't have the energy or the voice to do the show this week, but that's okay because I have guests on. We have two dads from full-time families who've joined us here in the park uh, to talk about the organization and talk about attending rallies. So we can uh, sort of give you guys some more info on what rallies are all about because rallies are super popular in the RV industry and, uh, and we've never been to one really until now. Well, you can sort of half count the, the Minot uh, FMCA convention that we went to last year when I when I uh, went down, when I got ill and got my brain infection right in the middle of it. Uh, but I don't really count that because we only got to experience about two days of it. So this has been our first full-blown rally. And, you know, I got to say, we weren't totally on board with the idea. We didn't really know much about them. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Now we're on board. And, uh, and you'll find out why in the middle of the show. I wanted to kick off the show, however, with a couple listener questions. These both come from our RV Miles Facebook group. So if you're not a member of the RV Miles Facebook group, please head over there 
and join because this is where we're able to talk with you, our listener community, more than anywhere else. And we really enjoy having that contact because we're sitting here talking to you over these microphones and we don't get that feedback. Uh, we just, we just get our voices out there and we know you're listening, but it's really nice to see your faces and to have your words come back to us over in the RV Moss Facebook group. So Savannah asks if any of the full timers in the group use a composting toilet and if it's really worth it. Uh, and we don't use a composting toilet anymore, but we did in our bus. And most of you, if you've been longtime listeners, you know, we traveled in a bus for the, the first uh, couple years of our journey up until last summer. We're about three and a half years on the road and we just bought our new trailer last summer and uh, we left our compost toilet behind. And I gotta say, we miss it. Composting toilets are fairly simple. They sound gross to a lot of people, but they're not. You know, there are gross things dealing with a dump tank and a regular RV toilet. There are gross things dealing with a composting toilet as well, but they're not as gross as they sound. What we loved about the composting toilet was the fact that we didn't have to use much water at all. It doesn't use water. Most of your water usage in an RV goes to your toilet unless you take lots of showers. So if you want to boondock a lot, you can really save a ton of water by having a composting toilet. You can even plumb the liquid portion of the composting toilet to keep it PG into your old black tank, uh, if you will. And then you can even double up your, your black tank and your gray tank. You can combine them to be one giant gray tank if you want. Um, there's no reason that the urine can't go into those tanks because you're still going to be dumping them at a dump station, right? And what that allows you to do is then have just a massive gray tank capacity that you didn't have before. So you can go much, much longer out in the wilds without being connected to water. So the way a composting toilet works is it separates the solids and the liquids. And I'll say the grossest thing about our composting toilet was the liquids that had to be dumped often because we never did plumb that into a, a tank. Um, so it was a jug that I would have to go dump. Uh, and usually I would dump that at the campgrounds dump station. Uh, you could also pour it down a pit toilet or whatever. But that was probably the grossest part. The, honestly, the solids bin, not gross at all. I changed that for our family of five every month to six weeks or so. And it's just dirt. And it was, it was real simple to get rid of. You wear rubber gloves, but it didn't smell. N literally no smell uh, in, in the solid portion at all. So we actually thought our composting toilet was built much better than our current toilet in the RV. It was a much sturdier plastic. It was less waste too, because you're not wasting all that water. We were happy with it. Now, if you're not going to be boondocking much or dry camping or, or not being at a campground where you don't have sewer, there's really little point into getting a composting toilet. But if you want to be out there in the wild for a long time, it's a, it's a great benefit. So I hope that helps Savannah. The next question comes from Pam who asks us, what are your deciding factors in picking your trailer? Um, she knows that we recently bought this trailer, as I said, and that they're deciding on a fifth wheel. Uh, they have one that they've picked out. They've been doing lots of researching of manufacturers and all the details, and they're curious about our Heartland. Ours is a Heartland 
pioneer and others that we may have looked at how we came about our final decision uh, because there's <laughs> there's a lot of reviews of all the different manufacturers out there and how do you how do you decide which one is good which one is bad uh, what are the benefits and and the negatives of all the different manufacturers so here's my answer pam it's that rvs are gosh they're a lot more like homes than they are like vehicles right and if you are buying a home you care a little bit less about who built the home obviously that that could play into it right but who built the home is less important than uh, than how it was actually built because one manufacturer could build two homes entirely differently and RVs honestly they just aren't built on the same quality assembly line as automobiles it's just not possible that they could have the same uniformity across the line so there are issues with every single manufacturer so buying an RV is like buying a home and when you buy a new home you're going to have things to fix and that's just the unfortunate reality of it so really what it comes down to a lot with RVs is you actually do get what you pay for a lot of the difference in price everybody's working on a similar profit margin so a lot of the difference in price really comes down to materials so let me pick on a manufacturer um, for instance Keystone Keystone has quite the range of products out there. Keystone has $12,000 small trailers and they have $90,000 fifth wheels. Obviously, the $90,000 fifth wheels are built better than their ten dollars to $20,000 travel trailers because they're built with better materials. Now, not every manufacturer is the same way. They're sort of like a Microsoft, if you will, whereas somebody like Airstream is more like an Apple. Apple doesn't build better computers than all the PC manufacturers out there. Apple only builds top-of-the-line computers, only expensive computers, right? PC manufacturers build nice computers as well in the same price range. If you were to buy a $2,000 PC, it might be comparable to a $2,000 Mac. What makes Mac different is that they just don't sell cheaper versions. So manufacturers of RVs have some of the same different proclivities. There are lots of different brands out there that sell lots of different versions of the same stuff or that sell to appease customers of all different price points and all different needs. So what comes down to, to me is take a look at the RV and how it is built. And the best thing you can do is get an independent inspection. And you can do this for a used RV or a new RV. And it is the best couple hundred dollars that you'll spend. It's going to maybe it's going to be like four to eight hundred dollars, depending on the size of your RV, the intricacy of it, the amount of time it's going to take the inspector to go through it. But there is a national organization of RV inspectors. They're called the NRVIA. If you go to their website, NRVIA.org, you can find a local inspector 
who you can pay to come and inspect the RV that you're about to buy. And they're going to look through every little single nook and cranny. They're going to spend hours and hours with it to make sure that everything is working properly because you don't want to trust the dealer. doesn't matter who the dealer is. You don't want to trust them. If it's used, you certainly want to have all that sort of stuff looked at because that owner may have neglected routine maintenance that is absolutely necessary to keep leaks and stuff like that from happening. So, uh, you know, again, it's just like when you go buy a house, when you buy a house, you have an inspection and that inspector comes and looks at the house and the price gets knocked down based on the issues that they find, or you decide not to buy the house because there are too many issues. Absolutely. Same deal with an RV. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes NRVIA. National Recreational Vehicle Inspectors Association. They're a great organization and lots and lots of people recommend them. While we're talking about RV quality, I had a little a bug up my sleeve uh, a few weeks back where I was trying to figure out something about these manufacturing issues that, that uh, everybody has. And I'm, I'm wondering what people have more of a problem with when they buy either a new or used RV, is it more likely that they're having issues with the build quality, the woodwork, the wiring, the cabinetry, how everything's put together? Or is it more likely that people are having issues with third-party manufacturer-supplied equipment, like your refrigerator, your microwave, uh, your chassis, your stove, all that sort of stuff. I wanted to know, is somebody more likely to have a problem with all that individual equipment that, by the way, is all warranted differently than your trailer or your motorhome? If you have a Dometic refrigerator, it may have a one-year warranty, even if your RV has a three-year warranty. So I wanted to know, what are people having the most issues with? So the way I went about this is I put a poll out on Facebook in Uh, in our Facebook group and in several other Facebook groups trying to find the answer. And I got about 600 responses, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, I was really surprised by the results, though. Honestly, I expected it to be closer to a 50-50 mix. But 75%, actually about 77% of the respondents of, of about 600 people said that the main issues that they had with their RV after purchasing it were with the build quality. So with the roof, with leaks, with slide construction, with cabinetry, wiring, all that sort of stuff, and not with appliances, uh, with their toilets, with their converter, with their television, all that sort of stuff. Mainly the problems are with the build quality. So Take that as you will. Uh, But again, it's another reason to have your RV inspected by an RV inspector because if it's generally not the stuff that's getting put into it, it's how that stuff is getting put in. So again, please go join the RV Miles Facebook group. And if you have questions, ask them there. You can also send us questions that you might have and we'll answer them on the air at editor at rvmiles.com. We love to hear from people. You can direct message us on any social media, and we'll try to answer your question either there or on the show. (music) 
RV Miles is sponsored by Harvest Hosts. Have you been considering a Harvest Hosts membership? With 2020 in full swing, now's the perfect time to become a Harvest Host member and start enjoying access to a network of over 900 wineries, farms, breweries, museums, and other unique attractions that invite RVers to visit and stay overnight. To save 15% on your Harvest Host membership, head over to rvmiles.com slash Harvest Host. That's 15% off a Harvest Host membership for RV Miles listeners. Head over to rvmiles.com slash Harvest Host. You can click on a link there and then you're going to enter a code HHFRIENDS15, but the information is all there at the link. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. A small group of adventurers came upon a hidden room and went in. There was an old chest in the middle of the 20 by 20 foot room, and the room contains only the chest. There are paintings of four animals with four different scenes on the walls of the room. The floor and ceiling are made of marble stone. The room's covered slightly with dust. The paintings seem almost alive, and cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand on end. There's a golden figure of a lion painted on the wall across from the door. It's standing in a field of grass. His emerald eyes seem to be staring right at the doorway. There's an obsidian snake on the wall left of the lion. The snake has ruby eyes, and it appears as if it will strike at any moment. On the wall to the left of the door is a white wolf. He's hunkered down as if he was waiting for the right moment to attack. Its eyes are jade and small, and he looks hungry. On the wall to the right of the door, there's an ivory dove in flight in a bright and clear sky. The dove seems peaceful in its flight. On the top of the chest, there's some writing. It says, to open me, you need to choose. If you choose wrong, then you lose. They will come to life and make their strike. Choose me, and I will not fight. I will bring peace and not strife. Which one should the adventurers choose? The lion, the snake, the dove, or the wolf? The answer was the dove. In most places in the world, the dove is a symbol of peace, and if you choose the dove, the chest would open. We have no prize to give away with that brain teaser. As you know, we've gotten rid of the prizes for the brain teasers for some new giveaways that we're working on, but you can always head over to the RV Miles Teespring store and check out our lineup of RV Miles gear there and America's National Parks gear as well. And we'll have a new brain teaser at the end of the show. So we are here at the Tucson Lazy Days KOA, having just wrapped up the week of the full-time families Southwest reunion. Uh, reunion is sort of their word for uh, rally. It's the, you know, it's our sort of play on uh, a homecoming of everybody getting together. This has been just a fantastic week for the kids to meet new friends and for them to see that the friends that they're meeting are meeting up with their old friends that they continue to stay in contact with on the road. Lots of educational opportunities, lots of character building opportunities, and just a whole lot of fun. We've met new people, new friends, and our kids have as well. We are just loving being members of the Full-Time Families Organization. If you are interested in the full-time lifestyle, if you have children and are out on the road, 
it's really a great organization for you to consider being involved with. You don't have to be full-timers either. It is an organization for full-timers, but if you're people that travel a lot, if you homeschool a lot, uh, you can get a lot out of it. But my guests today are Dustin Schroeder, who's the business partner coordinator for full-time families, and Ben Skeet, who is one of the hosts of, of this particular rally here. And I sat down with Dustin and Ben and talked about what it's like to put on a rally why people go to rallies, what they get out of them, and then a bit about what full-time families is all about. I did record this interview outdoors at the campground. Campground is near an airport and it's near a loud road and there's a lot of wind around here. So I do apologize if there, there's a bit of noise in this interview, but it, it is part of the camping experience. So without a further ado, here's my interview with Dustin Schroeder and Ben Skeet from Full-Time Families. Dustin and Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, if we could start by just talking about what led you to the road, Dustin. So for, for us, we didn't know full-time was a thing. We didn't intentionally go full-time. What we did is we sold our house. We put it on the market uh, while we were on a 30-day road trip vacation, not with our RV, just Airbnb and hotels. And it sold in four hours. So... <laughs> Uh, my wife convinced me that it'd be a great idea to take what we had. We had a travel trailer, 32 foot travel trailer that we had owned for a few years. She said, let's just take that on one eight month trip around the country, go see all the things we want to see, cross off all 50 states and uh, we'll go from there. And while we were on that journey, that's when we met a bunch of people in the community, found out what full-time families was and we ended up... Uh, loving the community and that eight month trip turned into nine and a half months and when we went back to minnesota we decided we don't even want a house so then we upgraded our rv to a fifth wheel and we've been on the road ever since now two and a half years how about you ben uh, we launched out of a town called temecula in southern california um yeah we kind of had a perfect storm of you know there's just different things in our lives that converged uh, all at the same time and we're trying to figure out kind of what the next part of our journey looked like and my wife was out walking the dogs with me one night it was the middle of summer i'd had a really crappy day at work and she said listen honey i, I know we've been talking about all of these different things and don't laugh at me but what if we sold the house bought an rv and just traveled for a while and it hit me right at the right time I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we'd had some health issues with our son. There's a bunch of change just going on in our lives and it, it just made sense. So we put the house on the market. It was sold within two months. Uh, so this was, we made the decision to go full time in, in June. Uh, we launched early September. Nice. So it was a very, very quick process for us. Sold everything and yeah. That's bought a 42 foot uh, fifth wheel because in Southern California, you go big or you go home. <laughs> um, I'd never towed anything in my life. So that was my very first experience of it. Uh, we drove that around for about 18 months, never did learn how to back the thing up. Um, <laughs> just the whole backwards forward thing, I just couldn't do it. I actually used to make her book like pull through spaces for the first 12 months of our journey. <laughs> I just wouldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, and then we upgraded to a, a diesel pusher, a used diesel pusher, which has been a much, much better fit for us. Yeah, that's easier to back up. Oh, <laughs> single turn almost 100% of the time. <laughs> so we're here at the, the Full-Time Families Southwest Reunion Rally. 
And, uh, you know, for us, we've been on the road for uh, almost four years now, and this is really our first rally. We, we had a half a rally experience that didn't count. But uh, <laughs> I think for us and a lot of people, there's, a, there's this questioning, what is a rally? Why is that something that I would want to pay to do? I'm, I'm an RVer. I want to go camp. What, what do people get out of going to an RV rally? So I think one of the first things is uh, they're going to meet a lot of people. And at the rallies, we organize all of the events. So you have a set schedule. Um, We almost always include some type of field trip. We always include some type of service project where we can go help the community that we're visiting. Uh, There's lots of coffee talks, which are essentially seminars. This morning, we talked a lot about uh, route planning and finding campgrounds and apps and helpful tools that we use on the road. And it's not just one person giving, getting up there and talking at everyone. It's a group conversation. So we all kind of contribute to the conversation. We've all had our experiences and it's really nice to be able to kind of, I guess, brainstorm as a group and share ideas and things that have worked. Ben, how many rallies have you been involved in now? Um, six or seven plus a bunch of hangouts. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what does it take putting on one of these things? Well, this time around, um, we show up and we just do our thing because full-time families did all the organizing. Um, there's a ton of back, like back logistics that mm-hmm. they're doing. They're organizing the, the campsites. They're organizing the, uh, like the, the, the field trips, the service projects. Um, like there was a, a ton of stuff that uh, they're doing kind of to make this come together very smoothly. I got the privilege of hosting this time. Uh, and just kind of getting out there and meeting and greeting and making sure everyone's having a good time, which is, you know, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, and I didn't have to do any of the administration stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a ton of organization. We want to make sure that, you know, the, the, the families who show up um, are going to have good opportunities to connect because finding your tribe's really important mm-hmm. in this whole thing. I mean, that's been the big difference full-time families made for me is we found families who shared our values, who shared our way of life. And, you know, life's better when you travel together, honestly. So there are all sorts of rallies of different organizations like full-time families, but full-time families is focused obviously on, on families with, with children. And, uh, it's been really eye-opening to us, uh, here to see how many, how many people here know each other, how many people here camp together often, uh, how many people follow each other around the country and sort of create a sense of community. Dustin, I think, were you saying earlier this morning about how you used to it used to be about going to destinations and now it's about following your friends around. Exactly. And uh, that first trip that I was telling you about at the beginning where we took eight and a half, well, turn into nine and a half months, that was all about, let's go see the national parks. Let's go do the things. In fact, when we first started, we didn't even know there was a bunch of families out there doing that. But our uh, second trip, we went back to Minnesota for a couple months um, and did some things worked, whatever. And then we went on an 11 month trip and that one, the only destination that we had scheduled was Alaska. We knew we were going to Alaska at the end of the, the last three of those 11 months. But up until that point, we ended up leaving, not knowing where we were going other than we were meeting some families that, uh, we had recently met and, uh, at the Albuquerque balloon fiesta, uh, reunion. And once we left from there, we ended up, uh, following some of the families around and one of them talked us into going on an escapers uh convergence down to mexico we spent 26 days with two families down there um those two families we still talk to all the time on a regular basis and uh 
they followed us, we followed them. And now we don't care where in the country we're at as long as we're with some friends. So it's all about following people now and not necessarily destinations for us. So there's a lot of learning opportunities and social opportunities for adults here. To, we're all homeschoolers, we're all road schoolers. Um, we all have certain unique needs, but you guys do a, a fantastic job making this really an event for, for the kids and an opportunity for them to participate in some real character building type activities. How do you guys come up with that sort of planning? So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know my wife spends a lot of time, uh, my wife, Nicole, she spends a lot of time uh, finding different projects that would be good for the kids. Like uh, they built a bridge out of uh, like everyday materials, like straws and paper and rubber bands and, That was one of their projects. They had to construct a bridge that could withhold uh, pennies in a Dixie cup. So just a span from table to table and something like that. They they got a budget of $70,000 per $10 and each item that they bought, whether it was straws or it was um, the little pipe cleaners or rubber bands or a foot of tape, uh, each of those had a value. So it was, it's real life skills, but it's something fun and interactive that they can do. Stuff like that. I think she got a lot of that from our, before we homeschooled for three years before we left. And I think a lot of those ideas and projects that she's found, uh, they did when we had a homeschool co-op back in Minnesota. So, And the kids all here, um, they meet friends, they become friends and they continue to talk online. We meet up on the road in the future. Uh, and we've had that experience being members of full-time families without going to rallies. We've met full-time families in campgrounds. They've got their sticker on their RV and, and we just walk up to them and say hello quite often. Uh, how has it been for your kids uh, to be a part of this organization? What, what, what kind of benefits have you seen from it? Oh my gosh, um, where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> so when we launched, we spent the first six months on the road. We had the full-time family sticker on the door, but I had no idea what it meant. Like I figured we joined a travel, tra- travel club of some description and at some point we might see a benefit, but I, I wasn't really sure what it was all about. And uh, one day, uh, my wife, we were in Florida staying at one of those over 55 parks where the old people walk past and so, you know, kind of uh, use homeschool as a dirty word. Um, they were wondering why we were there. We were up in Ocala uh, and my wife, you know, arranged to meet up with a, with a group of full-time families who'd just come back from a rally at Thousand Trails Orlando. And there was a potluck there. It was an hour and a half's drive. Uh, I did not want to go, like drive an hour and a half to meet people who I didn't think I'd ever see again kind of thing. We show up there. Uh, and we just meet this amazing community of, of families with kids who are just like us. Uh, and I think that's been the big thing for us, for our kids, is um, they have friends all over the country. They have friends they stay in touch with uh, on the internet, you know, texting back and forward, messaging back and forward, uh, even video, you know, uh, Facebook Messenger, that kind of thing. Um, my daughter will actually do crafts over video with some of her friends, and she's had them for years. Uh, the thing I keep telling people about full-time families is really doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, your kids will have more and better quality friends than they ever will in any other kind of style of living just because you're gathering up with people who share your values. Like the relationships they have are so front-end front end loaded with values, they get very deep very quickly, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. 
So, and one thing that I would maybe add to that is in our experience, uh, we still go back to Minnesota two to three months uh, each year um, just to catch up with family. It is kind of our home base. And uh, my kids, the first time, were super excited to get back home because they had homeschool co-ops and they had friends and they were in hockey and they did sports. And uh, they obviously missed the sports a little bit and they definitely missed their friends. But when they got back, they were super excited that they were going to see their friends all the time because on the road, we they literally see their friends all the time. Um, maybe not the same friend, but they always typically have, because we're following people, we have, they have friends that they can... Uh, hang out with regularly we're at home uh, when we got there they set up meetings to go meet with their friends and maybe they'd spend two hours with their friend but then life happened they would have hockey practice or they would have to go do something or they'd have homework that they'd have to do because they're still going to public school so really or their parents were tired and didn't want to go meet us or didn't want kids over or whatever so we found that the kids that are on the road tend to have a lot more quality time while they're all playing than even back home yeah. in our hometown, which doesn't mean that those friendships are any less valued to our kids. It just, they could feel the difference. They didn't, couldn't walk out their RV door, walk three sites down and their friend was there. They needed somebody to drive them 15 miles or whatever to go meet. And it's hard to coordinate. Yeah. yeah. There's a real cadence of life to this lifestyle that lends itself to relationship building. Like we were just in our old hometown you know, we'd been there for 16 years. We've got friends that we've been friends with that long, like deep, deep relationships. We've walked through some really serious stuff together uh, and we let them know that we're coming into town. It's like, yeah, I can schedule you out on the third Sunday of, of, of February. I think I've got half an hour in between these two practices. Why don't we go out for coffee? And those relationships, we really value. Like these are good, good friends. If they call me up and say, you know, I need to bury a body, I'm gonna grab my shovel and go drive. Um, but the, the time factor and the closeness factor that you get in this lifestyle, and particular to rally, uh, is there's nothing like it. Do we do we have any idea how many families are out there on the road? We got any a total number yeah. um, of members? I, I we probably have close to eighteen hundred active members that are families. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as headcount, that'd be very difficult. Um, I know at rallies, we typically average about four to 4.5, uh, people per family. So this rally is 44 families, uh, figure we, we gotta be just under 200 headcount at this rally. So, so how many, uh, how many rallies a year does full-time families put together? Um, the full out rallies, those are our biggest events, um, probably eight to 12 a year. Um, and then we have hangouts. What he was talking about, those are a little bit smaller. They're a little bit shorter, fewer days, not quite as many scheduled activities. Yeah, a bit lower key. Um, and we try to do one of those a month, so maybe 12 a, a year. And then there's meetups that the different branches will do as well. And those, those are usually free events. And I would say the Boondockers, the Mercy's branch, uh, mm -hmm. they tend to have probably the most. So the Boondockers uh, branch, they'll post on there. Uh, let's meet at... Um, I guess Lone Rock in Page, Arizona, will hang out there for a week. Everyone will just go and kind of convene and they'll, they'll do their thing. They'll probably do some potlucks. They'll probably do some field trips or some hikes um, and hang out. And we don't keep count of those, but those happen organically a lot. They happen a lot in the winter at the 
thousand trails like mm-hmm. TTO in Orlando, what he was talking about with that potluck, uh, Palm Springs. We planned on arriving at Palm Springs just about a month ago, and uh, we we were traveling with a friend. But when we got there, uh, the Skeets were there, the Bensons were there, um, uh, Peter and Greta were there. there. Uh, so that's a few people just from this rally. The Sutherlands. And Sutherlands were there. There was probably 15 or 20 families at that palm springs thousand trails and we knew we were going with one other family so we've mentioned thousand trails a couple times and eric if you want to give us a little i don't want to i know it's complicated i don't want to ask you to explain thousand trails uh but give us an overview of what the thousand trails program is because a lot of full-time families members i'd say probably most full-time families members are also thousand trails members a thousand trails is a, a chain of, of parks that you can buy a membership to there's different levels of membership that let you stay different amounts of days and give you different booking windows um, the value of the of the, the membership is uh, the chain of parks is national it gives you access to 80 thousand trails parks uh, plus if you buy some add-on memberships which are very low cost uh, you can basically join up the entire country coast to coast uh, and go from park to park to park to park. There's a couple of holes there. The Midwest would be one. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we've got the membership that allows us to stay three weeks, um, three weeks in and go park to park with a four-month booking window. Um, we would spend 330 days a year, probably, maybe even more than that, in a 1,000 trails. Wow. Partly because the price is right. So once you bought your membership, the renewal uh, works out to be about 800 bucks, somewhere in there. Um, if you're willing to spend as much time as you can in those parks, you can get your nightly rate down to three, four bucks a night. Nice. Uh, you know, water, sewer, electrical, everything, uh, which is unbeatable. Um, the other reason we, you know, go from park to park is that's where the families are. Mm-hmm. And like Dustin was saying, it, about a year in, we figured out that like America is beautiful and it's nice and there's tons of things to see and there's always more to see. But we're going to be in the Pacific Northwest for the third time in three years over summer. There's just still more that we want to see, right? But the families are what makes the life good. Mm-hmm. So if you go out and have an adventure with someone else, then you've got someone else to talk about that adventure with. And there are things to see wherever you are. So it Absolutely. Really there's yeah. adventures everywhere in this country. This country. We have the zone pass, so we, we were able to, it was roughly $500, $600 a year, something like that, um, and we're only in our second year of that, but uh, we're able to stay two weeks in a thousand trails park, and then we have to leave for a week, and for us, that's perfect because we spend a lot of time in the Midwest where there's not a lot of parks. Our first year in thousand trails with our camp pass, we spent 32 or 34 nights uh, the breakdown was roughly 13 bucks a night and well worth it. So, I, m- I mean, we maybe spent 600 bucks divided by 32 that to me, $13 a night, most of them are full hookups. And we met a lot of good people at those thousand trails park. So I thought it was a great deal this year. We're probably going to end up right around that same amount of days, 30 days or so, uh, same breakdown. So I have the small pass and that's kind of my viewpoint of it in the parks. Um, they're not like magical parks, but they definitely have um, a lot of amenities. They're safe. They're secure. Um, I've never felt unsafe. I feel like they're not that much different than a regular campground, in my opinion. So let's talk about full-time families membership, Dustin. What are what are the benefits? The, the biggest benefit is the community. So uh, myself, I just happen to have a problem 
where my transmission went out in my truck uh, in Lake Havasu when I was just leaving the Escapers annual bash. And uh, I limped it to Palm Springs to get it to a Ram dealer. They spent 10 days, couldn't get it fixed, or they thought they fixed it. And they fixed it enough for me to get to San Diego for it to go out again. And uh, that was just a couple weeks ago. My truck's in the shop. I'm now here in Tucson. And I, there was two full-time family members that actually came together. One from Pio Pico, Thousand Trails, towed me halfway. To, uh, another one that was here at the rally came and met halfway and towed my trailer the other half of the way. Wow. So the community, like that doesn't happen in the real world. Like no. this RV community, the full-time families. Um, and I've been the person helping other people. Like I've went out of my way to help out. And it it's really humble to be able to have that community to fall back on that. Hey, you know what? I'm stranded. We have a rally coming. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's kind of in charge of running it along with my wife. So can someone help us get there? And they were able to do it. So that's a big part of it. Um, there's also a lot of discounts that come with it. A lot of our business partners that we work with are offered, uh, they offer um, mutual relationships like escapees. You get a free year of escapees when you sign up for full-time families. Uh, you get a free year of Good Sam. You get discounted memberships on things like Harvest Host or Passport America. A lot of those, I guess, apps and tools that people use. Boondockers Welcome is another one that we work with. You're able to get additional discounts on some of the other things that you might buy already with that. And then there's lots of educational with the, the branches. So if, if you are big into um, homeschooling or road schooling, we have an entire branch that is all people focused on road schooling. So you kind of have a sub community within full-time families that you can go and ask those questions. You might run into a roadblock like, Hey, I'm having some problems with, um, the road schooling laws in my domicile state of Michigan or wherever you're at. Uh, there's other people that have probably fought that challenge and can give you some helpful advice. So, uh, the branches are another big offering that you get. And we have 22 of those. Um, Ben actually leads our mercies branch, which is the Christian group. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it's all like-minded, uh, subgroups within full-time families, which really helps you connect. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's expertise you get there too. So the road, road schooling, you know, if you're struggling to teach math to your kid, you put out there, Hey, I'm using XYZ curriculum. Has anyone found something that works better for a free spirited child or something like that? And so there's so many people out there with combined experience. The hive mind can come up with something that makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we were struggling with math uh, with our kids and, you know, someone introduced The Life of Fred, which, you know, I want to give that a plug. That's a fantastic math series for anybody that doesn't enjoy math, myself included. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's expertise. Um, you know, we were boondocking at a casino uh, and the relationships that I'd formed, just, you know, meeting people in campgrounds allowed me to call a couple guys up who were going through RB Tech School to walk me through some problems that had I not caught them, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be, you know, kind of a little charred crisp yeah. on the, uh, the, the tarmac at Morongo Casino in California. Our rig <laughs> was seriously close to burning down. Oh my. Uh, and because they were there, yeah. they took my call and they were, together they walked me through it and we figured it out. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mercy's branch, like you were saying, like that's, you know, that's just one place that like-minded people can find like-minded people. Um, you know, if you're a Christian family, then that's a great place to join. There's branches for people who aren't Christian. There's branches for people that are interested in just about anything. I think a lot of it's avoiding the trial and error too. We, uh -huh. when we started out, we're just figuring it out all, all on our own. And 
and you realize there's this big community that's already done all this and then they can help you through some of those things like that. I mean, you saved your, you saved yourself money by not hiring a tech to come out. There's just all sorts of issues like that that arise. So uh, I, I think a lot of people end up coming into contact with full-time families through Facebook and through there's the, there's the open Facebook group that anybody can join. You don't have to be a member. Uh, but then, uh, and I think that's a great way to dip your toes in the water to sort of learn what the organization is about, but how do people become members and, and what's it cost? So if, if the membership is just fulltimefamilies.com, you'll see a join button on the top. And we have an annual membership, which is $65 a year. Uh, and then we have a lifetime membership, which is uh, $345. And that's lifetime uh, for as long as you're active on the road or you want to participate. Um, and then uh, we also have business members. So business membership is $99. And that's really how uh, businesses can be on our discount page. We just ask that they offer our membership some type of discount that is of value to our membership and then for 99 bucks a year they can keep on our website and have access and to all of our members but it's got to be a mutual thing we want our members to benefit as well dustin schroeder eric skeet thank you so much for coming on the podcast today thank you it was a pleasure RV Miles is brought to you by the FMCA. FMCA is the world's largest nonprofit RV club, and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. In 2017, they started inviting anybody with any type of RV, towable, trailer, whatever it is, can be a member of the FMCA. We are just big, big fans of this organization. They have all sorts of discounts for you and different programs that you can be a part of, including their roadside assistance and their tire discount program. But we really want to invite you to consider FMCA's international conventions. They host two of these international conventions and expos every year. The one coming up is right here in Tucson, Arizona, at the end of March, it's called Sunsets and Saguaros, it runs March 26th through the 29th, and you don't have to be a member to attend. Uh, you can sort of, you know, get your feet wet there. It's a great place. If you're not an RVer yet, it's a great place to learn about RVing, learn about the different types of RVs, what to buy and what, what not to buy, what uh, your experience is going to be like out there on the road. There are over 100 seminars where you can learn about all sorts of things. Learn about your systems. Learn about your generator. They have opportunities for you to schedule glass repair and other sorts of maintenance. You can browse through hundreds of RVs. It's kind of like a big RV show as well. So all the big manufacturers bring all their vehicles there. And one of the things that we love about the RV show portion of an FMCA convention is that they bring out all the big motorhomes because a lot of FMCA members have motorhomes and a lot of these RV shows that you attend across the country will only have a few big motorhomes and here they've got a whole lot of them plus they've got tons of entertainment three dog night is the headlining act it's just a big fun party of about 4,000 RVers descending on the Pima fairgrounds in Tucson Arizona and we hope we'll see you there because we're doing two seminars as well, one on boondocking and one on documenting your journey. So talking about podcasting and YouTubing 
and blogging and all that sort of stuff that you might be interested in and sharing your journey out there on the road. If you are not an FMCA member, you should absolutely consider joining. It's $85 for your first year or $75 upon renewal, but your first year is actually only going to be $75 because through our coupon code RVMILES19, you get $10 off instantly and you can join for $75 for your first year. Head over to fmca.com, use that code RVMILES19, get $10 off instantly for your first year. Or you can also call 800-543-3622 and they'll walk you through putting together an FMCA membership. Okay, it's time for our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment where we talk about the good, the bad, and the stinky happening in the RV world or in the world at large this week. Obviously, without Abby here, it's not going to be quite as funny, but I've got I've got two stories that I, I'm interested in sharing with you guys. My Black Tank this week is something that's that has been a real big problem for a lot of full-timers out there or a lot of people that travel quite a bit and are looking for unlimited internet access. You may recall there was this device called the Togo that we we still have and use and, and like that was offering a $360 a year plan through AT&T and uh, for unlimited data for the whole year. And then they cut that plan in January uh, entirely and stopped offering unlimited data. That got me concerned back then because there are a lot of these third-party unlimited internet providers out there and nearly all of them work through AT&T. And uh, I was worried that uh, a lot of those plans would start to go away. And it turns out that might be the case. One of the biggest companies that is selling unlimited data out there is called OTR, stands for over the road. And they are a reseller of AT&T data. And you could previously get unlimited data through AT&T to be used as a hotspot device, to be used uh, however you would like for, I think they were about $60, $70 a month. Well, they've just announced that they are going to discontinue selling plans through AT&T, that anybody that would like to stay on that is a current customer can continue on through their AT&T plan, but the price is going to increase drastically and uh, they are switching to join with T-Mobile. So OTR will be selling T-Mobile plans from now on, unlimited data, and the pricing will be 70 to $90 a month. Now, why is this a big deal? Sounds like the same thing, right? Well, T-Mobile's network is nowhere near as big as AT&T's. T-Mobile's been building up their network drastically, don't get me wrong. But for us full-timers, really AT&T and Verizon have been it for having the most data options out there on the road. We carry both AT&T and we have Verizon phones as a backup. And that allows us to get internet data pretty much everywhere. There's still a lot of dead zones, but T-Mobile's got some real, real big dead zones in, in a lot of areas that you might be traveling through. 
so it is a big downgrade. Now, there are all these other companies that continue to uh, offer AT&T. Some of them have stopped taking on new clients. Uh, one of them has said that, oh, AT&T is letting us continue because we didn't mess with the rules like OTR is and make a profit off of these data plans because these companies pay like $35 a month for these data plans and then resell them for $60, $70. And apparently the fact that OTR was making a profit off these data plans was AT&T's beef. However, that doesn't seem to make sense since AT&T is letting letting them continue to provide these plans at an even increased rate, just not to new users. Anyway, you can read all about this over on the Mobile Internet Resource Center's website. They put a great article together about it. They're a a fantastic place to go to to get all information about RV Mobile Internet data. Uh, They're rvmobileinternet.com, the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And uh, again, I'll provide a link in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 135. Okay, my fresh tank this week, a big step towards electric RVs. Folks, I got to tell you, electric RVs are on the way. There is going to be a huge revolution in electric vehicles on the road. Now, you may not you may not be a fan of electric vehicles, but they're coming. In the next 2 years, between 2021 and 2022, between those two model years, Every manufacturer of vehicles out there is releasing a whole bunch of electric vehicles. Some of these manufacturers are totally retooling plants, are are announcing dozens of vehicles, are building new plants. And we've already talked about how each of Ram, Ford, and Chevy have announced electric trucks are coming in either 2021 or 2022. Well, Ford has now announced that the Ford Transit van which is a very popular cargo van in the commercial sector, but is also a chassis that lots of RVs are built on. Winnebago uses the Ford Transit and uh, Leisure Travel Vans uses the Ford Transit quite a bit. Ford has announced that they are going to be electrifying the Ford Transit van as an option. And it's going to be available in the same chassis. It's going to be available in the cutaway chassis that lots of Class C manufacturers use. It's going to be in the regular chassis that lots of Class B manufacturers use. I really think that our first look at electric RVs is going to come, in, in, at least in sort of a mass market version. There are a, a few little outsiders that are already out there, especially in Europe. But I really think our first look at electric RVs is going to come in that 2022 model year. I really think we're going to see some interesting options. And uh, you know what? It makes the most sense that class B's are where it's going to happen because there's not much of a weight differential in a class B, right? When they upfit a class B van from a manufacturer and add the RV stuff to it, they're not adding tons and tons and tons of weight like you may have with a class A that's really, really heavy. So uh, I think class B's are going to be where it's at. They're usually not towing anything. That lighter weight is going to allow those batteries to give those class B motorhomes a decent range. And, you know, I think they'll be able to plug in at campgrounds overnight. 
that's a real, real plus. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when this comes down the road. But I, I think this is probably one of the first steps towards it. There's going to be an electric sprinter van as well. You know, a lot of RVs are, are built on the sprinter van chassis. So it's going to be a wild time for the automotive industry and the RV industry coming up in the next few years. All right, that's our show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it without having my lovely wife, Abigail, here to uh, to make it more fun and interesting. But thank you for bearing with me through this. Let's wrap the episode up with a new brain teaser. Discovered in Africa, I spread like a tide to become a hot staple known the worldwide. A necessity to some, a treasure to many. I'm best enjoyed among pleasant company. Some like me hot and some like me cold. Some prefer mild, others only bold. Some take me straight, while some like to savor my essence to which has been added a flavor. So put down your cares and sit a while with me. I'll send you back refreshed and full of energy. What am I? We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We want to thank you for listening once again this week. And we want to invite you to listen to the See America podcast, which is about to launch its third season and the America's National Parks podcast, which has just celebrated its second anniversary. You can find those wherever you listen to this podcast. And until next time, everybody, keep logging those RV miles. Bye-bye.